The richer you get, the harder it is to manage your estate. There's lots of moving parts like portfolio diversity, tax mitigation, asset protection, and estate planning. That's why the ultra wealthy use family offices, and that's where Valerity Wealth comes in for you. Run by a former sovereign wealth fund manager, Valerity Wealth brings institutional level expertise to the high paid professional. Let Valerity quarterback your finances. Book your free consultation at ValerityWealth.com. Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets, such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com, accesswealthaviation.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Hello, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey from the Wealth Formula Podcast. And today I'm going to do something a little bit different than what we've done up to this point. It's a show that I'm going to call Ask Buck. And as you can imagine, what it's really about is people out in the audience out there who are listening to this show have some questions and I answer them. So how can you go out and ask me some questions? Well, you can go to wealthformula.com and you'll see there you can push on Ask Buck and it'll prompt you to ask me a question. Now, you can ask me a question and if you prefer, I won't actually talk about it on the show itself if you have some kind of a private question or my opinion on something. I want to give this disclaimer. Once again, as you know, I am not in the business of giving personal financial advice. I give financial advice to the extent that I tell you what I would do and what my own opinions are. But I base these things on my own personal philosophies and what's worked for me. But it doesn't mean it'll work for you. And the company line, of course, is that you should check with your own group of professional advisors, including uh, investment advisors and attorneys, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So let's just get started then. First question is from Gabe from Garland, Texas. Gabe says, I am a 27-year-old attorney a year into my first six-figure job. Should I be looking to build my cash flow now or should I be trying to get some cash reserves in place first? My answer is really that it sort of depends, okay? Are you an inspiring entrepreneur or just a cash flow investor? You know, it's always a good idea to have some cash around. But if you're 27 years old, say you're a single guy without a family, without a lot of obligations, now is the time for you to take some big swings for the fence. And it's time to take some swings for the rafters as an entrepreneur, if that's what you're thinking. And what you can do is you can use your cash 
that you make from entrepreneurship to build something that's going to make you a lot more cash. And in my case, you've, you know, the parallel there is uh, the businesses that I have. They are not investment properties. They're not cash flow things. They are big money making businesses. They're not passive necessarily, but they make a lot of money and they provide me with the opportunity to invest in deals and create multiple streams of income. Now, if you're strictly an investor, it might be a little different. So you might be a guy who says, listen, I'm an attorney. I always want to be an attorney and that's what I really want to do. I'm, I'm just going to make a lot of money and I don't like the stock market. And so I'm really just interested in cash flow. Well, then, you know, what I do is, first of all, I'd keep some reserves around. I'd say it's not a bad idea to have some liquidity, say three months or four months worth of liquidity around in the event that somehow are unable to work or for some reason you lost your job. You know, the thing is that right now I have to say that some of the things that you would invest in, for example, in real estate, it's gotten a little bit tighter. You've got people from Wall Street that have moved in into real estate and now it's not quite the market it was, say, in 2010 or 2011 when you could buy something and get 20% return on investment. So, is it out there? Of course, it's still out there, but it's a little bit harder. And what you don't want to do is get emotional about a deal and start you know, putting your money into a deal that doesn't make a lot of sense. What I like to think about is right now I've talked about on this show before that I, I believe and I think a lot of experts believe that there's going to be a huge market correction, a stock market correction. So you might say, well, you know, I don't understand how that would necessarily correlate with other things I want to invest in. Well, it does, because what happens is when there is some kind of a big hit to the market, the stock market, it affects all asset markets because people get in trouble and then they start selling things, you know, because they're over leveraged or they've got a market call, etc. So when asset markets in general do tend to fall together. Uh, the real estate market did fall when we had the big stock market crisis in 2008. Of course, it really started with the real estate market there. And it may not be as pronounced, but these things are always cyclical, whether you think they are or not. So it's always a good idea to have some liquidity so that you can save it for a rainy day. Somebody decides to fire you and you have no control or you save it for the opportunity that I think is pretty imminent, which is a stock market and ultimately an asset correction. And you need to keep some dry powder around for when there is blood in the streets because that's the best time to buy. So hopefully that answers, that gives you my perspective on some things there. The next question is from Garrett from Los Angeles. And he asks, how do I decide whether to do fix or flips or to invest for cash flow? Now, I think it's pretty obvious that, Garrett, in this situation, what you're really talking about is real estate. Of course, you know, my show is not just about real estate. It's about investing in all sorts of different opportunities, but there is a heavy influence on real estate. And, of course, that's one of my biased things, too. So let me tell you what I tell you. So what you're talking about with fix and flips versus invest uh, for cash flow are actually two completely different things. One is a business and one is investing. So Flipping is not investing. What it is, is it's a business. You are in the business of taking properties that could be sold for more 
if they're fixed up and you grab them at a discount cost, you put a certain amount of money in it and you expect a margin uh, in the market. So that is a business. I mean, that's that's a you know, you're selling you're taking a wholesale item and turning it into a retail item and selling it for more after you fix it up. The other thing that you're talking about, investing for cash flow, and presumably you're talking about real estate, is very different. Now, now in those situations, you're not looking for the big capital gains of flipping. In that situation, you're taking money that you have, and you're trying to create multiple streams of income. And you're trying to create streams of income, I should say. And so they're very, very different things. Um, I don't even, you know, I don't consider flipping real estate investing. I consider it a business. And it's not a bad business, especially if you're good at it. The problem is there's not a lot of guys who are really good at it and make a lot of money. I mean, there's guys like in Chicago, like Andrew Holmes, who are absolutely killing it. Not everybody can do that. I certainly am not a flipper. I, I don't think I would be very good at it. Now, if I teamed up with somebody and bought some properties and, you know, maybe they we flipped them together just with my capital, then maybe it'd be worthwhile as a business for me. But I am an investor. I'm looking for return on investment. And again, you know, flipping is uh, another high octane business. I have multiple high octane businesses, but they're not passive. I liken this kind of investing to hunting. So you go out for a big kill every day. It's a big payout. And if you're good at it, you can do it really, really well. And, you know, you can throw off potentially a lot of cash. But the principle behind the Wealth Formula and the Wealth Formula podcast is to try to take, you know, try to convert the kill, you know, the, the money from your, your business or from your high paying W-2 job, like, you know, as an attorney or something like that, or a doctor. And from those businesses where you're already creating a lot of cash flow, Use it to turn it into farms of cash flow that you're harvesting over and over without always having to do a ton of work. So it really is the difference between being a farmer uh, rather than a hunter. And over time, hopefully you can be primarily a farmer. But at the beginning especially, it's very, very hard to do that. Now, there's one other thing. If you're real handy and if you're a guy who's really good at flipping properties, uh, you could do both in a way. I mean, you could find properties that need some fixing up and you could buy those properties at a discount because they need to be fixed up. But you're buying those properties that are already cash flowing. And what you can do is essentially fix them up and move them up a notch and force equity into those properties. So in effect, what you're doing there is you're taking a property that's already cash flowing and making it even more valuable by, you know, waiting for tenants to move out and then potentially, you know, fixing it up and making it, you know, sort of the next level up and potentially you get a little bit more rent for that. And when you get a little bit more rent for, you know, 15, 20 units at a time, $100 a pop, that value of that building can go up by quite a bit. And that's called forcing equity. So let's see. The next question is from Russ, and he's from Chicago, so somewhere around me here. And he asked a question, if you have multiple investment properties, 
Do you really need a separate LLC for each? Obviously, it gets very expensive to file for taxes, etc. Well, I want to start out with that question by saying, first of all, I'm not an attorney. Uh, It's a legal question, but I do spend a lot on attorneys. And here's what I can do is I can tell you a little bit about kind of what I do. First of all, anybody who thinks about having a property without an LLC, you're kind of out of your mind. I think you're leaving your self wide open to get sued and um, of course you're gonna you can get sued and you will get sued if you do enough business at any point but you're leaving yourself an opportunity to lose a whole lot more than you know a single property um, so I wouldn't suggest not using an LLC but it's a good question about whether do you need one you know do you need one for every property especially if you're got a bunch of single family homes would you use a separate LLC for every one because there's costs associated with them etc so my answer is first of all I would not put more than one property in an LLC now I don't have a lot of experience with single family houses so I'm talking about apartment buildings and if you've got anything that is, you know, if you've got a couple of different properties, I think putting them in the same LLC in my view is a little bit risky. And the reason for that is that the LLC is really there for our asset protection. What we're trying to do by the nature of what an LLC is, a limited liability company. So what you're trying to do is limit the liability you have uh, if you get sued. So if you have more than one property in an LLC, the risk that you run is that if you get sued, that there is exposure and the potential loss of not only the property where you're getting sued for, but the other properties that are in that LLC. So obviously you're going to have layers of insurance, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it's uh, pretty risky. So personally, I do not put more than one property into any given LLC. And Of course, you mentioned, too, that there is, you know, there's some costs associated with the LLCs, which specifically with tax returns, etc. So, okay, well, you're going to pay $1,500 for tax return and, you know, you don't even have, uh, you know, that's your cash flow for the month uh, or two months or whatever. It makes it sort of tricky, right? So one thing that I do, and again, it's what, you know, it's been recommended to me is I have a single LLC for every property that I own. I don't file them all as individual tax returns. What I do is I have a master LLC, a real estate LLC that those feed into. And what that allows me to do is there is a little extra cost for having the LLC, but it saves me quite a bit for when it's time for tax returns because then there's only one master LLC. So that's kind of what I do. But of course, again, this is legal stuff and I'm not an attorney. I'm just giving you some uh, ideas on what can be done and what certainly I've done. I can give you a recommendation. Certainly, um, the asset attorney that I use is uh, Garrett Sutton who is one of the rich dad advisors. He's actually Robert Kiyosaki's uh, advisor. So, uh, and he's also the owner of Corporate Direct. So if you can afford it, I'd certainly consider using him for your asset protection needs and talk to him. So let's see. Question number four comes from Chad from Charlotte. He asks a very good question. What do you wish you had known before you started in entrepreneurship and investing? So that's a great question. 
because you can, you know, you always look back in hindsight and you think, gosh, if I'd done things differently, if I had only known certain things, I could have not lost so much money or I could have, you know, I would have known better than to invest with such and such, blah, blah, blah. So here are some very broad sweeping lessons that I've learned. Now let's start with entrepreneurship because again, for me, it's not just about investing. It's entrepreneurship, starting businesses, etc. cetera. Uh, and also, it's about investing. So in f- terms of entrepreneurship, one of the biggest lessons I learned is to try to swim in the opposite direction that everyone else is swimming in. So what I would tell you is don't go out there looking for the most glamorous business and look out for, you know, look for the stuff that everybody else is excited about. Look for things that have a little bit of barrier of entry. Look for things that you have a little bit of competitive advantage so that once you do well, you don't have 10 competitors suddenly that are, you know, right behind you trying to do the same thing. Because although it is true that you can certainly prosper in a crowded field, it's a lot easier to do so when there's almost no competition at all. And I can tell you that uh, from personal experience. To give you an idea of what I'm talking about as a glamour uh, business, in my case, you know, I talk about in a previous uh, podcast episode that I was in the business of uh, cosmetics and cosmetic surgery beforehand. Now, it may sound like a business where you, you know, you make a lot of money, but the reality is that most quote unquote cosmetic surgeons are doing primarily, you know, uh, insurance based work and they do some cosmetic procedures. It's pretty rare when someone can make a living just doing cosmetic surgery, but I I was doing that. But the problem is, the truth of the matter is that there's a tremendous amount of competition because everybody wants to be Dr. 90210. Everybody wants to do, you know, all these plastic surgeons want to be cosmetic surgeons. So, you know, for me, um, you know, that was a that was a big lesson. It's not that that business is not a good business. It is. And, we, you know, I've had some success in, you know, uh, some of the offices that I opened and had some less success in some of the other offices around the country that I tried to open. But the lesson for me was there's a lot easier ways to find a business model that's successful. And um, you could find other examples of that. I'm certainly not just cosmetics. But when you see everybody, when there's a big buzz about a certain kind of business and everybody's going in that direction, swim the other way because you don't want to go in there and try to compete with everyone else. My current philosophy on starting new businesses, I like to call it looking for business opportunities under rocks. Only partly being facetious, but I'm really not. What I try to do is I try to look for business opportunities across industries just by asking around, you know, finding out what people are doing. And I'm looking at opportunities where there are mom and pop businesses that are doing really, really well, but they don't have scale or they haven't even thought about scale and that there's a great opportunity to scale businesses that are being done currently in a very small scale on a mom and pop basis. So I call that looking for businesses under rocks. And I think if you if you do that, you may find that some of the best business opportunities out there are not glamorous at all. But if you love just the whole process of business and creating stuff, 
like I do, there's an opportunity to make a lot of money. In terms of investing, what I think that one of the things that I've learned, probably the most important thing I've learned, because I've invested in a number of private placements. And, you know, it's not always about, you know, just buying your own building, buying your own this or that. But there's plenty of people out there who are really good at business that that I think are worthwhile to invest in. And, you know, if you... uh if you want to talk about that personally with me, certainly go to uh, go to Wealth Formula Podcast and uh, subscribe to the show and click on Invest with Me. And it's not really just about investing with me; it's about sort of becoming part of my inner circle and you know talking with me and getting my ideas on what's going on. And I can be a little bit more specific one on one than I can necessarily in a podcast like this. So, but. I'm getting back to my point was that when I invest, I invest in people. I don't just invest in the deal. And I learned that by getting burned a couple times. You know, if you're always after the big the big uh, return on investment and you're not looking on who's actually putting those numbers together and who's putting it in front of you, you're going to get burned. There are people out there with a lot of integrity. I know a lot of them. When they have an opportunity or they have a property or they have a fund, I feel pretty comfortable with them. It doesn't mean that it's a you know, 100% chance that you're not going to lose some money. But at least if I believe in the people and I trust the people and I think they have integrity, I know that there's a good chance, there's a very good chance that what they're telling me is true. Beware of sharks, invest in people. One more point along that line is early on in the show, a couple of years ago, I actually interviewed a guy that I thought was, uh, that I didn't know very well, but kind of sold me on some stuff and I invested in his fund and got involved with him, but he ended up being a big fake and a big shark. So if you know, if you hear about, a, if you wondered where a certain show might have been deleted at a given point, it's because you want to stay away from that guy because he's a shark and because he's uh, he doesn't care about investors. He doesn't care about anything except making money on his own. And you want to stay away from those people. There are plenty of people around who are who have great integrity and who really want to work for you and try to you know, to write by you by when you invest uh, your money with them. And, you know, hopefully I'd like to think I'm one of them. But of course, you know, there's lots of people out there that I know personally that are doing great things and look for people, look for integrity. And if you get a little, one point less on your return on investment or whatever, who cares? At least you feel comfortable and you're not worried about losing all your money. Or you might be, but you're worried less, that is. Uh, let's see. The next question is from Sienna from Milwaukee. And she says, at what point do you stop? When do you quit your job and say, now I have enough? Well, Sienna, it's a tough question because I think it's different for everyone, right? It's, uh, if you're just a about multiple streams of income and trying to get enough passive income so that you can quote unquote retire. You know, it's tricky to say, but you know, I mean, there's some studies out there I can cite. There's a Princeton study a few years ago that said that generally speaking, individuals who are making $75,000, that was a point where there was no increase in happiness from $75,000 and beyond. That wouldn't work for me because what makes me happy is being an entrepreneur and investor and the more I make, you know, the more opportunities I have to look into starting businesses, buying businesses, buying property, buying and investing in interesting opportunities. For me, uh, it's not just about the money. It's about the opportunity. The money is something that happens because, you know, you're doing uh, a lot of uh, a lot of what you love and, you know, you've created this opportunity 
for yourself. But what you do with it, it sort of uh, dictates when you stop. For me, the answer is I'll never stop. If I stopped, I don't know what I'd do with myself. I'll never retire. In fact, I will tell you one thing, and I'm a, I am know a lot of you know pretty wealthy people, a lot of people who are a lot wealthier than I am. And one common denominator, but all those people, I'll tell you, they could retire, but they won't. That's something to take to heart. Because most people who could retire early won't retire early because they love what they do. And that's why they're as successful as they are. That's not a judgment on any front at all. Because certainly there are other people who the focus is, okay, I want to create a certain lifestyle. And then frankly, I don't really want to work. So, you know, that might be seven or $8,000 a month. And if you want to make seven or $8,000 a month in passive income, and you could easily move to South America or somewhere and live like a king or queen for that amount for the rest of your life. But anyway, I, I understand your question. It's generally that's not what I'm about um, when I'm on this show, though. I'm about I, I'm I'm a raging entrepreneur. I love I love entrepreneurship and I love uh, investing in interesting opportunities. And for me, it's just the game. It's like, you know, I love uh, it's the way I love the game of uh, football NFL football. I'm a huge NFL football fan. And for me, entrepreneurship and investing is the same way. So I'll never quit. I'll never be, I'll never not be an NFL fan and I'll never uh, stop, you know, investing in the, and starting businesses. So hopefully that's helpful. Question six, uh, Aaron in Denver asks, I want to raise money for deals and go big, but have no idea where to start. Any advice? Well, first of all, I want to say good for you. That's great. I think, you know, think big. Uh, I'm not a, a big Donald Trump supporter necessarily, but I will say one of his great quotes is that if you're going to think anyway, you might as well think big. What I will tell you about this is that the most important thing, and listen, I'm I'm still trying, I'm getting there too, you know, I'm still working on raising money for my own deals, et cetera. So I'm not, you know, the ultimate expert on this, but the reality is that what I find is that you need to get around others who are already doing it. Uh, how do you do that? Well, you know, try to go to some of these events where you have a lot of people of like mind, where you can meet them and potentially partner with them and potentially, you know, find common ground and where where you can help each other out. A good place to start might be the Secrets of Successful Syndication Seminar that the real estate guys put on every few months. Uh, and I've been there. And let me tell you something about, you know, about Russ and Robert, those guys uh, who I'm lucky enough to know a little bit. They're not a bunch of shysters and, you know, they're not gurus or just trying to sell you stuff. These guys are the real deal. You know, I, I can't tell you enough that I think it, they're, it's a great show to listen to, Real Estate Guys Radio. Download that from iTunes if you don't. And also, I'll tell you, go to their events. You'll you'll uh, meet up with a lot of interesting people. You'll probably run into me as well. Um, and that's a good place to start. Uh, meeting like-minded individuals who are already doing big deals, some of them, and some of them are along the way. And if you team up with some experienced investors and you have, maybe you have money uh, as a sponsor, maybe you can bring people to deals. You have to somehow figure out how you're going to establish your own street credibility in order to start to you know raise money for deals that you want to do on your own. And that's something that we as syndicators, you know, we're always working on, of course. So it's a long road. It's a long road. I think it's, it's a lot of hard work. But starting with uh, being around a lot of like-minded people would be a good start. 
because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, syndication, you know, raising money and, you know, having a team doing bigger deals, it's, it's a team sport. So you need to find people around you as soon as possible that, you know, have uh, complementary skill sets, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, that is it for my questions. But I do want to encourage uh, everybody who's listening to this show, uh, if you have questions, uh, go to wealthformula.com and click on Ask Buck and and um, send me your questions. Also, let me know if there are certain questions you don't want necessarily talk about on the podcast. Uh, also, you know, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Spread the word. I've heard a lot of people saying they really like the show. You know, if you do, that's great. Just share the, uh, you know, share the wealth with your friends. Try to uh, get on the, uh, get on the site and try to learn some of the things that I've got on there. And of course, subscribe. I have a section in there where you can subscribe not only to the podcast, but also uh, there's a section that says invest with me, which is basically an opportunity to talk to me in person. So I get an understanding of where you are and what your personal investing philosophy is. And right now, you know, it's not like I have, I don't have anything right now that I'm personally offering or anything like that. But what it does is give me an opportunity to talk to you uh, share with you some of my own personal experiences and some of the people that I know uh, just to bring you into my inner circle. So hopefully you'll do that. And uh, that's about it. So that's it for the Wealth Formula podcast show this week. It was good talking to you. This is Buck Joffrey signing out. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not facts. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder this stuff is so profitable and recession resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Worried about saving too little too late for retirement? The Wealth Accelerator may be exactly what you need. With the help of some of the oldest and most reliable insurance companies in the country, Wealth Accelerator allows you to take most of the upside of any good year in the stock market and use bank loans to magnify those returns significantly. And what if the stock market has a bad year? No need to fear. Wealth Accelerator is engineered so you don't participate in the losses of the market, no matter how bad of a year it is. Sounds too good to be true, right? But it's not. It's simply the same financial engineering that the ultra-wealthy have been doing for years. Now it's your turn. Check it out for yourself by going to WealthFormulaBanking.com. Again, that's WealthFormulaBanking.com.